I want you to open your Bible just for a moment to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Then I will begin tonight in Acts chapter 8. We're studying a little study here, a few messages, which is the beginning of a question. Have you? Then a question mark at the end of it, and it's intended to ask you a personal question in which you answer. We began with this, have you been born again? Now, not all people have, and I trust you really know that, that a lot of people, good church members, have joined church and tried to do that. But as far as being born again, a new creature, old things gone, not a lot like you might think. I mean, all Christians say, yeah, I've been born again, I'm born again. Well, I hope that's true because that's necessary, absolutely necessary to go to heaven. The second thing we asked you was, have you been baptized in water? We went through a lengthy message that night about that. Our last message, have you received the Holy Spirit? It's an interesting question, one that all of us as charismatics, as full gospel believers, as whatever name you put on people like us, it's a question we should be well-versed in because we should be able especially to give an answer to every man that asks us a reason of why we believe such things or why you speak in tongues. Uh, what's your scripture for that and so forth? Now, our text says that we are workmen. We are his workmanship and that we're to study to show ourselves approved unto God a workman who needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the truth. So teaching is to accomplish that. We come together to learn to understand so that instruction enlightens us, enables us, and more perfectly directs our steps. That's why we learn. That's why teaching is so important. And if I said to you there's a woeful lack of teaching in the church today, I hope you would believe that. Because while there's a lot of attendance, a lot of programs, and a lot of shallow things that people hear about week after week, there's not a lot of well-taught or being taught Christians who are being challenged to think through for themselves what is what we say we believe. How do I know that's true? Do I really believe that? I know what the preacher says. I know what people around me say, and I know what we're supposed to believe. How do I know I believe that? Where in the scripture does it say that? How can I test myself? So we study. Now, we said last time, we were talking about, have you received the Holy Spirit? If you're in Acts chapter 8, in Acts chapter 8, we said this, verse 14. Now, when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who, when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them. Only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. Now, the Holy Ghost was promised. Before Jesus went back up to heaven, he said twice in Luke's writing, Luke wrote both the book of Luke and the book of Acts, at 24 and verse 49 of Luke, Jesus said to his disciples, he didn't say this to everybody. He said this to his disciples. 
He said, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until I send the promise of my father upon you, which saith he, you have heard, and so forth. So he said, I'm going to send the promise of the father upon you, for the father has promised to give you, as he said in chapters 14, 15, and 16 of John, Jesus said, the father's going to give you another comforter. And so I'm going to send him because you're not going to be left on this earth as orphans without any hope, without any guidance and any direction. But you're going to know what to do more than anybody else. Because when the Holy Spirit comes, he'll not only show you things to come, but he'll show you how to live and he'll convict you of your sins and so forth. So he said, this is the promise that the Father has made. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 4, he told him to wait for the promise. He said, now don't leave, stay here. Don't go anywhere. Don't try to minister. Don't try to go out and tell your stories about Jesus until something necessary, vital, and important happens to you, until you receive this promise of the Holy Spirit. And then he said in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13, he said, does the blessing of Abraham come because you'd worked or did you receive the promise of the Spirit because you did something or was it by faith? So this Holy Ghost is a promise. Jesus made a big deal out of this in three chapters in John to his disciples. For example, in John 16, he said, I have many more things to say to you. There's more revelation that you need than what you have now, than what you have had walking around with me for three and a half years. There is more. But you can't receive it now. Isn't that amazing? Makes it sound like it's pretty exclusive stuff. But he said it. I didn't say it. He said, you couldn't receive it now if I told you. But he said, I'm going to go to the Father. And then when I get to the Father, I'm going to send the promise of the Father upon you. Now, when he comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will show you things to come. Because without him, you're going to wander aimlessly in a religious setting, not ever really knowing for sure anything. Bonnie and I were talking the other night, and she said, you know, Christians who aren't being regularly taught and instructed, who don't have a desire for that, to learn about what they believe, and people without the Holy Spirit, what can they do? About the best I think you can do is to be religious, to be a system of religion based on Christian principles without much power in it. It's like you can have a form of godliness, but not have any power. And about all you can do is tell everybody what they need, but when they look at you, they don't see much different in you than they do in themselves. Jesus said when the Holy Spirit comes, he will make a difference in your life. And when he comes, of course, you'll know it. Now notice in Acts chapter 8, we just read this. Luke is writing this. He said when the disciples at Samaria had received the word. Now, how is it that a man is born again? We know, we've been through this once. Remember Peter, right? We are born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. That God sent his word to save. That's why we preach the word, because God uses the word to save lost people. Because God takes words and forms convictions. And when those convictions get a hold of your will and you surrender yourself to God and repent and turn away from your sins, 
something happens on the inside of you. You're born again. You've got a living life inside of you, all because you believe the word. And then he said these disciples at Samaria had not only received the word, but he says, verse 15, he said, but the disciples went down to pray for these folks in Samaria. And notice these words, that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen on none of them. They had only been baptized in water. Let me ask you a question. Who was it that said, he, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved? Jesus said that. Now, in Acts chapter 8, when Philip was preaching there, the Bible said those folks in Samaria heard his word and received his word. And he said that there was much joy in that city and they were baptized in water. Now, those are conditions that are set out, plain and simple conditions for the new birth, for being born again, for being what we call saved. So here's a group of people that had had that happen. They heard the word. They were convicted of their sins. They obviously surrendered themselves to God and repented. And they were born again. They were baptized in water to testify to that. Now, when the folks at Jerusalem heard about it, the apostles, they sent Peter and John up to Samaria to pray for those people who had received the word of God and were born again because he said, as yet, so far, the Holy Ghost had fallen on none of them. Now, the word fallen is a word describing an experience that comes from above, much like the new birth. It's things that God does that man cannot do. It comes from heaven. And when the Bible says the Holy Ghost had fallen on none of these people, it means that they had not yet received the Holy Spirit. But this was a big deal in the New Testament. I mean, everywhere they went, they were talking about the Holy Spirit. In years gone by, this was a subject that uh, you constantly had to prove to some people. It seemed like everywhere we would go, there were people who wanted to challenge this baptism in the Holy Spirit. Yet you hardly ever hear that today. I don't know why or what's happened. Either the candle is just flickering and people don't notice much. I don't know. But I remember there was a time, this message I'm telling you about tonight and last week was one of the most important messages that we had because we were challenged so much in this area. I mean, tongues, they, they would go so far, some would write and say, tongues are of the devil. Charismatic worship or charismatic churches are all demonically inspired. And I've read stuff like that. I think that's blasphemy myself. But they said it. That was their business, not mine. But the point I want to show you is that, that this was so important an experience that when the disciples or the apostles heard about a move of God somewhere, first thing they wanted to find out was, have you received the Holy Ghost? Don't go down and pray for them while they're fresh that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Go to chapter 19 where it happened again, where it says in verse 1, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, Samaria came to a certain place and finding certain disciples. In verse 2, he said unto them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? And they said to him, is that all you people can talk about? You know, you used to be easy to get along with, but since you all have got involved with this Holy Ghost stuff, that's all you talk about anymore. I used to tell people, that's not all I talk about. That's all you ask me about. I got a lot of other things I can talk about. Well, a few then. 
But that was the one they asked us about the most. How can you believe stuff like that? And they said, well, because the Bible teaches it. It was a New Testament experience. It was in the Bible. It showed us how it works and who it worked for, evidence of it. And it was a big deal to the early church. I don't think the early church considered people being born again without two things immediately happening. One, they got baptized in water, and secondly, they were taught how to receive the Holy Spirit. I think that was as natural as taking communion on Sunday for those that do. It was just, this is the way it is. You've got to have both of these. And so they taught that. Now, we said that last week, and we ended here. I said in uh, chapter 19, in the first six verses there, this was a New Testament pattern. This is the way it worked early. This is what they did. And you find again in verse 2 that they said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? Now, we can conclude four evident facts so far, four evident facts about this receiving, being baptized, being filled with the Holy Spirit. We're talking about the same thing. One, it was a significant experience. It was unusual, and it was spoken of, and it became something you must do. It wasn't really much of an option to people. Would you like to receive the Holy Ghost? They said, have you received the Holy Ghost? Acts 19 and verse 2. How many times will we ask our brethren that? Since you believed, have you received the Holy Ghost? The average Christian in America would say, of course, how could you be saved without the Holy Ghost? And that's probably what they would answer you. Of course I received the Holy Ghost because you couldn't be saved without receiving the Holy Ghost. Now, where does it say that? You see, if I challenge that, you're going to say, uh, you sure about that? Well, we'll get to that in just a moment. You'll get to find out. But Jesus said this, remember in John 15, John 16, twice, he said, when he comes, he shall. So it's significant. It's like, let me have your attention, folks. I'm going back to the Father. When I get back, something's going to happen. You stay here until it happens. Don't leave Jerusalem. You tarry here because while I'm gone, you tarry for a while and the Holy Spirit is going to come. Now, you need this. He said it twice. He said, you need this experience. So don't go anywhere. You stay here until that happens. So I'm going to tell all of you this. Without the Holy Spirit, you're going to live a powerless life. Now, I don't care if you yapped in tongues or not. I don't know that that necessarily means that you were baptized in the Holy Ghost. I believe the devil can imitate this stuff. I believe the devil can imitate prophecy. That's pretty easy to imitate. He imitated miracles, didn't he, before Pharaoh? Now, the devil can work miracles. I believe people can act like they're talking in tongues. I believe you can have a false interpretation of tongues just because you're good putting words together. I believe you can prophesy off the top of your head and not be a gift. I think a lot of the gifts can be imitated. Ministries can be imitated to a point. I mean, people wouldn't know the difference. How many of you know that just because you graduated from a school of higher learning and Christian principles and things doesn't mean you're anointed? 
What's that mean? What's anointed mean? Most people wouldn't have a clue what that means or why it's even important. Probably don't even care as long as somebody comes in and looks nice and presents himself well and represents our church in the community well and does this and that well. I mean, isn't that what we're supposed to do? And you get to talking about the anointing and about teaching and overcoming and demonic things, casting out demons, speaking in tongues. People get a little uneasy about that. They really don't want to hear this. I'm talking about the average Christian. The average church really doesn't want to hear it. And so many churches are in so deep a debt that they can't afford to have a controversy. Or as the British would say, a controversy. They cannot afford to do that because we'll lose members. And if we lose members, we're going to have a shortage of offerings, and that means we might, you know. I think it's a shame the way the church down through the ages without the Holy Spirit has become an institution, a Christian institution, and it runs off of programs and the wisdom of man, man's fables and man's tales. And because it has come to that, the church in the end time, the basic church that most people know, know about, not the true church, it's nothing more than a gathering together of people probably with good intentions, hoping something works, and yet they're still full of fear and apprehension about most everything that happens. They can't trust the Lord. Preacher doesn't trust the Lord. Almost nobody does. Because if you start doing that, people are going to start talking about you, and you can't do that. I mean, everything's so artificial and so made up. It's just, it's not what God wants. But people will argue with, because they're giving their life to this. They go to their grave hoping this will work. They lie in state. Of course, they're, they're already gone. But they lie in state, and everybody's hoping that you did enough good to make it to heaven, because they don't know really what's involved in getting there. And even less about why we're on this earth as Christians that we need to be empowered to live a life that is supernatural. They cannot be lived without this empowering. So this was a significant experience. It's a life-changing experience, this baptism in the Holy Spirit. A second thing that we learn is that it's subsequent to the new birth. You're born again first. And then you receive the Holy Spirit later, maybe right at the time you got born. I'm sure that's happened too. But you don't receive both of them at the same time, except in unusual cases. That's not the way it always works. Back in chapter 8 and verse 14, he said, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Well, I thought when you believed, you got the Holy Ghost. That's what most people say. Yo, I, I, yeah, you couldn't be saved without it. Well, the apostles said, since you believed, since you had your experience, you were baptized, you were joyful and glad, and since that's happened, have you received the Holy Spirit? They could have said, yeah, oh, of course we got it all. Well, apparently not. Because back in chapter 8 again, here's what it said. They got them together. They laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. Now, whatever happened to these people, no, it doesn't say there that they spoke in tongues, but whatever happened there, Simon could see something. Because the Bible said Simon saw that by the laying on of hands, they received the Holy Ghost. 
They didn't just lay hands on people and, and that was all. He saw something as a result of laying his hands on them. And so he wanted to buy that because obviously he knew that when he laid hands on somebody, just like they laid hands on somebody, nothing happened to the ones he laid hands on. He wanted the same thing to happen to people like the apostles had to happen when they laid their hands on people. So he tried to buy such a gift. And they said, your money perish with you. You can't buy the gift of God. It comes from God, and it's not for sale, and you can't have it. But this happens, the point of what you see is it happens after you're born again. Again, again, just before I move on, he said they received the word of God, the things that Philip spoke. There was much joy in that city. Miracles took place in that city. And they believed, verse 12, they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus, and they were baptized. Not even a good fundamentalist would say they weren't saved, but they do in, in their writings. They say, well, Peter and John went to Samaria to pray for these people because they weren't saved yet. Well, I beg to disagree with that. They heard the word. Faith comes out. You're saved by faith. Faith comes by hearing the word. They heard the word. The word is the incorruptible seed which brings a new birth. Or as James writes, receive the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. They received it. They didn't just hear it. They received it. And they followed that in water baptism. And then here comes two apostles from Jerusalem. And he says, now, have you boys received the Holy Ghost? No. They laid hands on them. They received the Holy Ghost. That's the way it should be. That's a New Testament pattern, and it happens subsequent to the new birth. And a third significant thing about the Holy Spirit is it's supernatural. You cannot do it on your own any more than you can work a miracle by yourself. Any more than spiritually, you can prophesy apart from God. You may prophesy, but you cannot say what God says to say without God giving you that to say. I've been in more meetings than all of you in here in my lifetime. Different meetings. Well, I've been in a lot of interesting places in a lot of big shot rooms. And I've heard a lot of people prophesy. I don't know when I've ever heard one that was absolutely engaging. There was a church that I've gone to in my life. Let me see if how vague I can make this. And it seems that every time on a Sunday morning in that church when I was there, there were three, maybe four people that prophesied. All of them were good. These gals could prophesy. And yet, when one got through, it wasn't long till another one, she let go. I don't mean they were just trying to find words to say. I mean, just smooth. It just flowed. And five minutes after the message that particular day or after they got through speaking, I remember asking myself, what did she say? I don't know, but everybody was saying, praise God, amen. I thought, what did she say? What was that? If that was God speaking to the congregation that morning, if that was a word inspired of God for us, I missed it. Now, I'm capable of missing it. I might, might not be in tune myself. But I do believe you can imitate all of this to where the supernatural becomes quite natural. I told you once about a preacher that sort of was upset with me on a Saturday night before a Sunday meeting. He wanted to know if I was going to do anything. Are you going to operate in any of the gifts? I wish I could just turn them on and turn them off. 
I'd leave them on and throw the key away. I do. You know, because so many preachers back in those earlier days, they knew that when they were coming to a church somewhere, they're supposed to do these things. People like that. If you're going to have a line and you're going to prophesy to people, they will all come. And then there's another place in the deepest part of the deep south. They would sell prophecies. Church I used to go to, the preacher told me he had a guy come in and said, boy, he could read your mail. And he said he had really read it for $1,000. $1,000 prophecy. I just have some normal prophecies here tonight, just some, just some regular stuff. But I tell you what, for those that are willing to give $1,000, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you something that's going to change your life. Well, the ones that had $1,000... I haven't been in my lifetime to a lot of congregations in which there was a lot of thousands of dollars. Is plural, 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 plural. But apparently several of them came up. I remember it was on a tape. And he got through and I thought, that cost somebody $1,000? Man, I, I got this all wrong. Man, I'm going I'm to make me some money next time I go somewhere. But all that will do is corrupt yourself. God knows what's going on. But people are so hungry for something besides teaching, for something besides just assembling together and listening to instruction. I mean, people don't want that. They don't bring their Bibles to church because they're not expecting that. And if you want them to open their Bible to, to Malachi, they can't find it. It's never been important in their life. It's not, a, it's not a need. And yet when Jesus said when the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide you into truth. And we're living in a day, and I hope you don't take what I'm saying about this as just being rude and judgmental. I'm telling you the truth, that you're living in a time in which, well, there's a famine. They don't know they're emaciated spiritually and all shrunken and shriveled up. They don't know that they're powerless in, in this life. They don't even know what a demon is. A demon was a movie they saw one time. They have no clue about spiritual warfare and things that are systematically trying to dismantle their lives. They can't locate what is the work of the devil as opposed to the work of God. They can't because they've never been taught. But when the Holy Spirit comes, and I said, this is all supernatural. It comes from above. It's poured out. And when it comes it begins to engage you in spiritual matters to where they become necessary and they become vital. And a man cannot do that, but God can. That's why it is supernatural and it comes down from above. Would you look in Acts chapter 10 for just a moment? Because it says in Acts chapter 10 that this was a supernatural experience. It wasn't a common experience. In verse 44, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell. Does your Bible say fell? Yes. The Holy Ghost fell on all those that heard the word. And they of the circumcision, that would be those Jewish brethren who came with Peter, which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. Do you see the words poured out? or fallen, or fell. It's all like on the day of Pentecost, there came down from heaven, this and that. It came down upon them. It's supernatural. 
The Holy Spirit is not a natural experience. You can lay hands on anybody. That's easy. But that does not, that's not a guarantee that something supernatural will happen. That's the work of God. I find myself more and more, maybe, maybe too much. I'm not willing to try any of this stuff. I want my faith to operate when I, when I know it's God to do it. But if there's nothing here leading me to, to do something different than what I'm doing right now, I'm, I'm not going to do it. Maybe perhaps things happen out there with you people and, and you would do something. I mean, it's not a one-man show. A body is a multiple-faceted body. Many people have many gifts, should have. But it's supernatural in what it does, and it does special supernatural things on people that it happens to. Fourth thing about the Holy Spirit is that it's accompanied by a sign. If you receive, you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, you will know it. There'll be one discernible way to know it. And this is where the great controversy comes because it says you will speak in tongues. They did in Acts chapter 10. They did in Acts 19. On the day of Pentecost it happened. I'm sure in Acts chapter 8, Simon the sorcerer saw something that he couldn't do, something supernatural. And the sign, the evidence, the way you know that the Holy Spirit has come upon somebody or upon you is that you speak in tongues. It's a supernatural gift. And yet it's not so much a gift here. It's, it's a sign. The gift is something else. But this is a sign, an attestation a way of knowing that the Holy Spirit has come. And yes, it can be imitated. It's imitated all the time. You see, I believe when, when you're born again, your life is forever changed. I do. I believe when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, receive the Holy Spirit, baptize in the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit comes upon you. All of those are talking about the same thing. I believe when the Holy Spirit comes, it's like he said in John chapter 1 and verse 12. The Bible says, as many as receive Jesus, whoever they are, whoever will, as many as received him to them, God gave the authority to be his children. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 4, he said, when the Holy Ghost comes upon you in verse 8, he said, you shall receive power. And your power will make you a living witness, a martyr. One who dies for a cause and lives for a cause. A martyr. Witness. And so you receive Christ, a life-giving spirit, in 1 Corinthians 15. If any man have not spirit of Christ, it doesn't belong to God. That's Romans 8. But he says you receive power to make your authority effective when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. And when he does... You'll know it. You won't have to wonder. You'll know it. Again, I've had a lot of experience in this area and talked to a lot of people that turn to Acts 2 that think that they received the Holy Spirit because they had great joy. Well, they had great joy in Samaria. Anybody can have great joy. You can get a prayer answered and have great joy. That doesn't mean you received the Holy Spirit. A loved one can come to the Lord. That doesn't mean you receive the Holy Spirit. There's a certain New Testament-specific sign that comes on all of those 
in the New Testament who received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. They will speak in new tongues. Now, our first question tonight is, who is this particular experience for? This receiving the Holy Spirit, who's it for? Obviously, it's not for everybody. Uh, it, it could be if everybody would cooperate. Turn, look at Acts chapter 2. Listen at this. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38 and 39. You see, in verse 37, they heard what, uh, what Peter said, and they were pricked in their hearts. That's God's work, too. And they said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? What are we going to do? We're guilty. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, for he will be sent to you. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Verse 39, for the promise that we've been talking about earlier, for the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off. Would that have been us? I'm assuming that includes us because you see, there was a time when this was a real issue and people were writing a lot of books about glossolalia. How's that? That was a fancy word for speaking in tongues. They were writing all these books trying to show that you don't have to do this. It's not necessary today that, that basically the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was essentially for the early church that it might be established, have supernatural beginnings and power to, uh, to get started. You know, the foundation of the early church was apostles and prophets, and they were the ones who led the way. And so today they say we don't need that today. Those things have passed away. We don't need apostles and prophets, and we don't need tongues and all those kind of things. We have the Word of God, and we have ministries. You know, go out and preach a Word. So we don't need that stuff anymore. I've heard all of that. And so they say that, besides that, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the beginning was for the apostles and the early church only. And when the apostles died, that was the end of or the cessation of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That was when it stopped because the church had begun and they didn't need that anymore, to whatever. But it says here, now my Bible to those poor souls, it says in verse 39, for the promises unto you, that would be those that were there then, and their children, which followed them, and... Praise God to Tom Hamilton and his family and his clan and his bunch. It doesn't say that, but let me read it again. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Well, then I'll say this. Regardless of what age we're in, since the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is a promise to me and to you, to all that are far off. As many as what? I see there's, that's the theological piece of bread right there. Who's it for? Let me say it again. Let me get it right. The Holy Ghost experience is for as many as the Lord our God shall call them. 
Does your Bible say that? It doesn't say everybody. God doesn't call everybody. God has made everybody aware. But the gospel that brings us salvation has appeared to all men everywhere, Titus writes. But that doesn't mean all men everywhere are going to believe it because all men everywhere can't believe anything unless God gives them faith. Jesus said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. You can't just come into the kingdom anytime you want to any more than I can preach the message of salvation and tell you that that's for you. I, I don't know if it is or not. I hope it is. Saving is God's business. Proclaiming it is my business. And what God does to people, that's between God and them. How many of you know I can't save people? God knows I've tried many times. I've walked to the aisle with many a soul that went back into the world. And I'm just so proud that I led one of the Lord. Praise God, I led three of the Lord last week. And here you are 40 years later. Where are they now? Heaven knows. I have no idea where. I don't even know if we're saved. What happened when you led them to the Lord? Well, I don't know. That's, I know I did what I could, but only God can save people. Do you all know that? Only God can save. Only God can fill people with his particular spirit. And without him doing either of those, neither of those can happen. It's not going to happen. But who is it for? It's for those as many as the Lord our God shall call. And I believe that everybody God calls out of darkness into his marvelous light, out of the miry clay that come to him, the Holy Ghost is for every one of them. And one of our duties as Christians who have received the Holy Spirit is to inform our brethren who have been born again that you need to receive the Holy Spirit. Two preachers were challenging a charismatic man of renown about what they need this and they need and he kept saying you need the baptism in the Holy Spirit I know you said that but what he said you need the baptism in the Holy Spirit one of them finally said is that all you can say he said that's all you need <laughs> you need to be baptized in the Holy Ghost and then all these things you want to know you'll know but if you're scared of what people are going to think if you're a little edgy about your reputation or something like that, chances are you never will receive the Holy Spirit. You may act like you did so you can fit in. But whether or not you did will be seen in the way you live. Because the Holy Spirit guides. If you don't want to be led, you won't be led. But if you're not led by the Spirit, I don't know what, what you have if you don't have that. And as far as who this is for, remember our verse of Scripture in Mark 16 and verse 17, and these signs shall follow apostles. And these signs shall follow them that believe. So as many as the Lord our God shall call that believe, they shall receive. It's going to happen to those people. That's how it works. Isn't that what he said in uh, Acts 19? He said, since you believed, have you received? You can. It's for you. Jesus went back to heaven. He didn't want to leave us down here helpless and half informed. These disciples had already raised the dead. 
They had already healed the sick and all manner of miracles. They had already done that. Did you hear me? They had already done that. They returned one time with joy and said, Lord, even the devils are subject to us. Remember that? Luke 10. They came back. They had already done that. Jesus said, now I'm going to go to the Father. And when I go, I'm going to send the promise of my Father up on you. It's going to change your life. And I believe you're going to fulfill the great commission, which is now possible to be done because the way has been made for that to happen. And you're the laborers that are going to be sent into the harvest. And getting a man saved is the greatest thing that will ever happen to him. You cannot do better than being saved. But being saved is not a passive setting around remembering yesteryear life either. It's an ongoing experience because the Holy Spirit is not a passive experience. It's God in you. The Spirit of God and God are the same essence. Amen. And so when that is lodged in your heart by an act of God, it's in there for a reason. Mark 16 says even the fact that you will, you will take up serpents. You know, Jesus said, I send you as sheep amongst wolves. And there will be serpents and scorpions and all the power of the enemy. So serpents is, is a way of talking about the devil and his work. He said, you're going to take up serpents. You're going to dominate the devil. You're going to put him under your feet. He won't control you. You'll control him. You will overcome him. He will no longer overcome you because greater is he that now is in you than he that is in him, in the world. And you're going to overcome. Turn to Luke 11 because he says here, this is another person that's going to receive the Holy Spirit. Those that believe and then he says here, if you believe, you will do this. Verse 13, Luke 11, and verse 13. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? What's the one condition in asking that is required for receiving? Anybody can ask. Anybody can ask, asking because people say this. Well, I asked for the Holy Ghost and I didn't get anything. I asked God to do this and nothing happened. Well, I asked God and I'm, it didn't work for me. Well, what's required? You got to ask in faith without wavering. I mean, that's part of the teaching. That's part of the message. You can't stop at every verse of scripture and give another teaching to show you mean that. It means that if you're learning what you should be learning, you'll see that. He gives the Holy Spirit to those that ask him. Lots of people really don't want it to happen. But to be sure that they have been known to ask, they will ask publicly. <laughs> One night we were praying in our church when we were seeking this experience. None of us had it. I'd met my pastor one Sunday morning before church, and he looked terrible. He hadn't shaved real good, and he looked tired, looked weary. And I said, hi, John, how you doing? He said, come here. He said, he said, have you got it yet? We were all wanting it. Didn't know what to do about it. And I said, no. I said, he said, I've been up all night trying to get it. 
I did. I begged the Lord. Don't you tell anybody this. He said, I crawl around on my hands and knees to humble myself, asking God to give it to me. I'm crawling. I'm wanting it. Finally, I told him about 4 o'clock this morning, forget it. I don't want it anyway. <laughs> we went on with that. One night we got together during this time and we were praying in the church. We'd go to church and pray all the time, a few of us. And we were in there a lot during the week. And we were praying there one night. And, and I remember he had prayed, Lord, maybe it's we need this Holy Spirit. Well, he had been preaching against it. Now he's asking for it. And I'm, <laughs> so he said, maybe that's what we need. And I'm thinking, well, if the preacher says that, let's go with it. He said, Lord, I ask you to fill me now with the Holy Spirit. Of course, you start watching and praying, you know. Look over there. Is it going to work? We've never seen it. Never heard it. One eye shut because you're watching and praying, Kenneth. Well, when it didn't work, when nothing happened, yeah, I want it too. You know, if he had broke out in tongues, we'd have probably said, mm, about all that. Because one night when I was praying, when it happened, I was the first one, I think, probably in the history of that old scary church. It was dark in there. It was another deal. We were up there praying. I said, Lord, I said, Lord, I want you to fill me with the Holy Spirit tonight. Of course, we prayed that before. And I said, and I'm going to believe. I'm going to believe. Because I heard a tape about using your faith. I said, I'm going to believe now. I'm going to receive the Holy Spirit. And I was going to say something else. And it sounded like, and my mouth felt like I was talking through a straw. Well, uh, Lord, in Jesus, Jesus' name is And all of a sudden, that, it was there. All I had to do was to be willing to let it go. All I had to do was yield to what was given. It didn't make sense because it wasn't English. All I had to do was yield to it, open my mouth and let it out, and it would happen. I knew that. And I got to thinking about that time, well, what will they all, all these guys I'm praying, what will they think? <laughs> Next thing you know, I, hope I raise my hands and just, just let her go. <laughs> just yelled it out there and just jabbered this way and that way. And I remember after it was over, we laughed. I mean, it was the first time we'd ever seen it or heard it. I can't explain the little details and like I wrote a book about it, but it was a marvelous moment because there was a release. Something really let go. I took a step forward. And I remember one of the brothers, he, he's gone now, but he crawled over there because I've crawled under a pew. And my, my mouth down, and I did that that way because I didn't want anybody to hear me. We were new. I was a little embarrassed. Didn't know what they were thinking about it. This guy crawled over there, and he touched me. He said, I just want to touch you, brother. <laughs> I told him, grab on. Hold on, brother. Praise God. When I got in the car that night to drive home, I jabbered all the way home from Charlestown to Sellersburg, Indiana. We crossed 403, just, just all the way over there. Man, I was just beside myself. I came in the house, and he giggling. And I said, Bonnie, guess what? <laughs> she said, you got it. <laughs> I said, I did. Woo, I got it. 
And, of course, she got it later when she said to the Lord, I know I love you as much as he does. <laughs> and then she finally got it too. But it just took off after that. Once the thing broke open, then everybody started getting it. The preacher had the hardest time because he was, he was so dignified. But us country bumpkins, you know, homeschooler type, we, we, we just, you know, as they say out there in the world, you know, we, we don't know enough to go to public school, they say. We just let her go. And more and more people started letting go. We didn't know how to pray for other people. We took them over to, to the Assembly of God Church in uh, Louisville, Brother Rogers Church. We'd take them out there and walk in the room, and some of them old Pentecostal boys would come up, and we'd point them out, the one in the blue shirt, the lady in the green dress. You know, <laughs> and sure enough, as soon as church was over, they had them down on the front. They had their hands up, and they were just going like us here. This is what I remembered. This is how it worked for us. I remember one lady from Alabama, and so helped me, when she spoke in tongues, it was, everybody, well, it was all had that southern brogue to it. <laughs> a man named Donnie, he, uh, he sounded like a dog. He did, he barked, <laughs> he just did like that. Well, I laughed. I mean, God does, does things his own way. We, he wasn't trying to do that, just the way it came out. And man, we got so excited. We got happy. We drive home, a bunch of adults with kids driving home, laughing like a ball game was just over. We won. We were still in high school. Had a big time. Go back to church and get in that room and start praying again. Prayed for two or three hours. Just had a big time. Boy, the Holy Spirit fell. It just changed everything. Remember J.E. Hayes, a man came up one time after church. He said, I want to know about like this. I want to know what's going on around here. Now, I knew what he meant, but I played like I didn't. And I said, what, what, are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> he said, all this laughing and carrying on and y'all getting together and having it. He said, what, what's going on? And I said, you really want to know? He said, yeah, I want to know. I said, we've received the Holy Ghost and we speak in tongues. How do you do that? I said, Thursday night over, we take it local. <laughs> we take you a little and run. And sure enough, we took him down there and get that guy in that gray jacket. He, blah, 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 he got it too. <laughs> Pretty soon, everybody in our circles had received the Holy Spirit. Amen. And the freedom to pray in the Spirit in church. Amen. You know, we used to do this a lot, and we probably will Sunday. We used to sing in the Spirit a lot. We just say, and it was one harmonious sound. And everybody was just singing in tongues. We call it singing in the spirit. And oh, I mean, you just, it's just a release. I'm amazed at how many people have been baptized in the Holy Spirit and almost never pray in tongues. Almost never. Now, have you prayed this week in the spirit? Well, no, I haven't. Well, you know, you should. Paul said, I think his apostle Paul, I'm pretty sure they're still in the Bible unless they've taken it out. Paul said, I speak in tongues more and thank God for the way he said it for y'all than you all. He, apparently he did it all the time. He wasn't baptized with the Holy Ghost every day, but what he was given was inside of him as something that he could use, that could use him. You could pray in the Spirit. It's like he wrote in 1 Corinthians 14, you can pray over your food in tongues. And you pray well now, for as if somebody there that doesn't know what you're talking about, you, you probably shouldn't do that because they don't know what you're talking about. They think you're all crazy. It has been and it still is 
something that God wants us all to experience. And those people who say, well, I believe I got the Holy Spirit when I got saved. I don't think you've read much of the New Testament. You've read your denominational colored part there, you know, the part you've highlighted, but it doesn't say that in the New Testament. It's subsequent to your salvation. You get saved, and then you receive the Holy Spirit. That's the way it works. And then there's some who say, well, if God wants me to have it, I'll get it. Have you ever heard that? Well, if God wants me to have that, I'm sure he'll give it to me because I want all that he has for me. Of course, you can't be belligerent and say, no, you don't. No, you don't. You don't want everything he has for you because you'd have to leave the church. They'd kick you out. If you became charismatic in your snooty little church, they would ask you to leave. Like a church, I heard a man on the radio one time talking about his church. He said, you know, if you want to speak in tongues, that is fine. Just don't do it here. Now, to me, that's like Ichabod. But any man-made system can have a man-made system. If you get enough the right kind of intelligent, progressive, ambitious people running a system, you can make it grow. And people can think that's religion, or they can think that's spiritual, and yet it isn't. And if you say something about it, you sound like a, you know, an ugly judge or something. But in the early church... We go to John chapter 7, one of the most important verses in the Bible about the Holy Spirit when it comes to the debating or the discussing of this subject with people who are not too familiar with it. They will say things like this, well, the Old Testament saints were filled with the Spirit and they didn't speak in tongues. There's a whole lot of people in the Old Testament who, who the Bible says were filled or a spirit came upon them and they didn't speak in tongues. So you can't say that they speak in tongues. Let me tell you what, what I can say in John chapter 7. Now remember this verse. John 7 verse 38 and 39. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Does your Bible say that? Yes. Look at the next verse. This spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Now, when it comes down to your discussion with others or with the wrestling match you're having in your mind, maybe tonight, when it comes to that, in the context of John 7, you have to see the Old Testament. The Holy Ghost was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. When was Jesus glorified? Was it not when the Father raised him up from the dead and he was restored and all of that and he came back in his glory, didn't he? So from this point on, things are going to happen because it's been done. The sin question has been settled. The redemption of man's sins has, has taken place. Men can now pass from death unto life. They do not have to be separated in Abraham's bosom. That's all been taken care of. That's all done. That place, wherever it was, is empty. We even read in Matthew 27 that when Jesus appeared to many people, that the graves that had been opened, a lot of people that had died, their graves were open, and they came out and walked through the streets. 
And people saw those who had already died, that they were, they were alive. And that was evidence of the fact that, that, that these were released from being held back because Jesus, Jesus paid it all. And he announced to them, you're at liberty, you're free. And the price has been, been paid. And they went up, all of them, all that were there. Now, Jesus said in the Old Testament, in, in that context, that whatever, you, however you read that, it's not like you would read it in the New Testament. For example, in the Old Testament, you ever heard of Gideon? The Bible says about Gideon, Judges chapter 6, there's five or six places in Judges where it specifically points out a name and then that they were filled with the Spirit. The Bible says the Spirit of the Lord came up on Gideon, and you know, he's won a great battle and a great victory. Samson, the Bible says the Spirit of the Lord came upon him three different times. Othaniel, you've probably heard of Othaniel if, you, if you've read Judges. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Or you can read about Bezaliel, the man who built all the utensils in the tabernacle, who built the, the altar, overlaid everything with gold. The Bible said he was filled with the Spirit and wisdom. And he was given this ability to do all of this perfectly. Because you see, the Old Testament feelings was like a special unction or an anointing to do something specific. It wasn't an abiding presence. It was something that was temporary for a specific person. Even Saul, the king Saul. The Bible said that Saul, in 1 Samuel, maybe chapter 2 or 3 or 4, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him and he began to prophesy. Later on, that same spirit left him and an evil spirit from the Lord came upon him. So it wasn't anything that was abiding and be with you forever. It wasn't that. It was something temporary and for the moment to do something specific. David's prayer in Psalm 51, verse 11, was, Lord, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. And in the Old Testament setting, again, there was Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist. He was filled with the Spirit and said, Mary, the mother of Jesus, filled with the Spirit. Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, was filled with the Spirit. John the Baptist, from the womb, was filled with the Spirit. These were people who had a special call and a special unction from God to do something specific. Turn to John 14, verse 17. Jesus had said, I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. Now notice these words, but you know him for he dwelleth with you. Do you see that? And shall be where? Now why wasn't he in them? Because Jesus had not yet been glorified. They saw his power. They went out. They, they were anointed to do certain specific things. They did things, uh, again, raise the dead in Luke chapter 10, all the things. He said, I give you power over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Go preach the kingdom of God. They did that, ordinary men. But Jesus said to those men, he said, I'm going to send the comforter upon you. He said, now you know him, for he is with you, and he shall be in you. It'll be an abiding presence. And I don't want to get into this, but in the New Testament, Paul calls it a seal. It's a seal. He's there. He's there to stay. 
And the work that he does is going to make sure that whom God calls, God keeps. But he that started a good work will finish it. So Jesus said, you know him, you know who he is, you know what he does. And this is for you. And this is something we all need. So when people say to us, why do you all speak in tongues? I'll take one more week on this subject because I think it's that important. We'll deal with that next week. Well, what's the purpose of speaking in tongues? Why did Paul do that all the time? Why did God want his people to pray in the spirit? Well, what was the purpose? What did it do? What good was it? Because people today who don't know anything about it say, well, what good is it? I mean, what good is jabbering? Blah, 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 blah. What good is that? Let me, I'll show you next week God's intended purpose for praying in tongues and praying in the Spirit. Only a few people can do that. And apparently only a few of them do. But somebody will. Somebody is going to do that. Trust me with that. So how can you know that you tonight have received the Holy Spirit? How can you know? I can tell you how you will know you'll speak in new tongues. New tongues. Not a new way of speaking English. But new tongues. Now, tongues can mean another language. You know that, don't you? There are diverse kinds, different kinds of tongues. I mean, on the day of Pentecost, didn't they hear them all speaking their language? It wasn't a foreign language to the ones who, it was foreign to the ones that didn't understand them. But to the ones that said, we hear the gospel in our own tongue. And, and these people don't know how we speak. There are different kinds of tongues. You can speak in the tongues of men. And angels. You ever, you ever done any angel talking? That's another realm, isn't it? Amen. Well, bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, minister to us a hunger to live your life, to follow the steps of Jesus, and to be the way you want us to be. Deliver us from embarrassment and uncertainty and shyness, Help us to take the most marvelous experience beyond the new birth that we've had and proclaim it to those who want to hear it. Use us. Give us an opportunity. Ask you to bless this congregation that we truly would be charismatic in what we do and how we live. Let it so be in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Stand to your feet. One of the, the questions often comes, well, then how can, how can we tonight or how can anybody receive the Holy Spirit? Well, you've been told one thing you've got to ask. Nobody's going to come back and say, please. You've got to really want it. You've got to have faith. You've got to believe that when you ask, you receive. Now, if you say, well, I'm not there yet, then where do you get there? I mean, don't try. Be ready to receive. Come expecting. And when you do, it'll happen. It'll happen. And I pray that all of you this week, every day this week, if you've been baptized in the Holy Ghost, you will let it out. Spend a little time getting in a car by yourself, and you just talk to yourself. Say, I don't know what I'm saying. You're not talking to yourself. You're talking to God. No man understands it. It's the language that the Spirit knows. 
people said that to me. I'll use it again next week. Well, how do you know what you're saying when you're praying? You don't. He that speaketh in a tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. In the spirit, he speaks mysteries. I do, but you should. Greet somebody and say, I need to know more about this, and you're free to go home. God bless all of you. Amen.